Hello and welcome back to Users First. I'm Alessio Ferracuti, UX designer and podcast host at Users First. And this is a recorded message from the future. Yeah, you guessed it. That's right. I'm in 2022. And I just added this short audio in the episode because I want to let you know that the episode you're about to listen belongs to the old season of the podcast. However, if you want to listen to shorter, better audio quality podcasts and a way better intro, skip to the new area and start listening to the episodes that have the new graphics. A little bit about myself if you don't know anything. I began studying UX design in 2019. Starting out, believe me, it wasn't easy. And after a few months of studying, reading books and networking, grinding really hard, I landed my first role in UX and decided to open a podcast and a blog to share actually my own experiences so far and, and from the experts that I've been talking to as well. Man, since my first role, I've been learning so much from the smartest people in the field. And now I've been handling successfully my career and I want to help you too. So I can teach you the ropes, become confident in UX, land the dreams role in tech that you've been dreaming about for all these years. And my job is going to be simply to inspire you and bring the most experienced guests on the podcast for you. If you want to build your network, improve your UX skills in a fun way and learn about job opportunities, Join our Discord channel, it's free, and I post UX quizzes there, and even have giveaways for you, I mean, uh, for the winners of the podcast. We have leaderboards and levels for the people who engage the most, and, you know, when you are in the top of the leaderboard and win the quizzes, not only you are given a shout-out in my episodes to show you, like, my full appreciation, but you'll also receive gifts from me. And to the ones that reach the highest level, I will even be sharing the secret sources with you of my career and give you access to my personal UX playbook and the books that influenced me the most in my career. Please don't join in too many, or I will literally go broke if I send gifts to everybody. Nah, I'm just kidding. Go check it out for real. And you know, if you want to help me pay off my expenses for the podcast, you can join our Patreon channel. And or you know, if you don't want to join Patreon, you can even uh, offer me a, a cheap coffee every month. You can access all of these from my website. It's UsersFirstPodcast.com. Hey, enjoy my oldest episodes. Peace out now. Bye. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Alessio Ferracuti from alessioux.com, and today we'll be interviewing a master graduate and user researcher in New York, Theo Johnson. Uh, Theo is a master graduate in human-computer interaction and holds a bachelor's in um, cognitive psychology. He's been researching users for many years, and he likes to design with the limitations of the human in mind. Enjoy this, this episode with me and Theo, and here we go. Welcome to the User's First Podcast by Alessio UX, where we interview user experience designers and many other digital experts who focus on building products and services that delight users. And what is the number one rule of every product or business? It's that users always come first. Welcome to the user's first uh, podcast, Theo. How are you today? Thanks for having me, Alessio. Uh, doing pretty well, you know, uh, staying safe. Obviously, COVID's a huge issue here in New York, but, you know, we're going through different phases and eventually everything's going to calm down. So, but yeah, happy to be here. Talk a little bit about UX, man. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> great, man. I, I'm I'm so excited to have you here. You know, like I, I've been looking at um, your profile on LinkedIn and your website and and uh, you know your experience. Uh, you know, I'm really I'm really excited to have someone like you here. Um, you can share tips with us and um, motivate us and make us all better. Sounds and, great. Yeah, I know. I know you're a big fan of video games, uh, Teo. Yes. What What are you playing right now? Well, I just finished the new Final Fantasy VII remake. So anybody who loves Final Fantasy, get your hands on that. You know, right now it's a Sony PS4 exclusive. Hmm. Um, but amazing game uh, on PC. I'm actually I, because I just beat Final Fantasy VII. Now I'm playing Final Fantasy XV. So I'm like really in this like RPG, <laughs> like Square Onyx, Square Enix. I'm sorry. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, I do play first-person shooters, uh, Call of Duty, uh, Battlefield. Call of Duty. Oh. Yeah, so Modern I, I, Warfare. I can spend like days playing Call of Duty. And just, yeah. Like, it's... Multiplayer <laughs> online. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a great opportunity to play with your friends. And, uh, you know, I think Sledgehammer is doing a pretty good job with that. Uh, newest release of Modern Warfare. So And Activision. Kudos. Uh, oh, oh awesome. cool, man. I, have you heard of um, Assassin's Creed uh, coming out? The, the newest one? Oh, yeah. Val... Uh, what is it called? Valhalla? Uh, yeah, it's about Vikings or something. Yeah, the, the Vikings one. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Valhalla, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the graphics look really nice. I think every Assassin's Creed always look better. Uh, I hope the story is going to be nice as well because the last few years it was quite disappointing from my point of view. So, I, But this one seems like really nice. Vikings is something different. Well, yeah, and I think they're, you know, Ubisoft's done a really good job in the last couple of Assassin's Creed games. And I think that. Yeah. You know, that whole storytelling and, you know, being part of that character experience is really important to compelling to create a better gamer experience. So I think that's amazing. Um, and obviously, I'm pretty sure you saw, I mean, the games are only going to get better. I just saw the Epic's release of the Unreal Engine 5. You know, I saw a documentary, a little video on that. It's amazing what they're doing with the graphics. Everything looks real and the shaders. And it's mm -hmm. just getting crazier and crazier, man. Uh, someday yeah. we're going to get in the game and feel like we're actually there. I mean, they're getting to that point with the, the VR, Half-Life Alex. you know, I play that. That's a game that I do play. Um, you know, wow. Valve did a great job with that. And it's super realistic uh, virtual reality experience. And uh, that's super really cool. hard to capture. Yeah, so gaming's getting better and better. Uh, it's amazing what they're doing right now. Yeah, but for me, like like you said, like storytelling, it's way more important than graphics ever, or, mm -hmm. or like visual effects and whatever. Like, yeah, like this, couple, this week I was playing GTA V and I was like, Damn, the, you know, the graphic is still nice. Like, it was 2013 that it came out, right? The graphic is okay, you know, but, like, the story the story is actually nice. You know, for being GTA, it's actually cool. So I was I was enjoying the game. Yeah. And now I've heard GTA 6 Fox is Art. coming out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I look forward <laughs> to that. Like, uh, every, every time a new GTA comes out, it's always more mean. So I wonder how more mean it will be in a couple of years. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. Rockstar Games does a really good job. Awesome. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V just bloomed, and it's still blooming. I mean, people play that. The player count's amazing, so mm -hmm. pretty good. So, uh, Teo, for, for the ones that uh, don't know you, um, would you like to give us a little bit um, of an introduction about yourself? Yeah, so obviously my bachelor's is in cognitive psych, and I got a master's in human-computer interaction. Uh Oswego, so... Uh, you know, I went there uh, for my undergrad and my master's degree. Uh, I have two publications in the video game, uh, virtual reality, user experience research, uh, both with more like VR on uh, gaming user experience. Um, you know, I've been to Ireland. I traveled there for one of the IEEE publications. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a musician. 
Obviously, you can see I have my Taylor acoustic here. I've been playing guitar <laughs> for about 21 years now. Um, wow. And then, obviously, like, you know, right now I'm working at Blackster as a user researcher. A lot of qualitative research, a lot of UX work. Um, UX is very new to them, so I'm helping build that practice. And previously, I worked at the New York State Parks, where I created an augmented reality tour guide system. Uh, just really basic with a, with a handbook. That way, users can access features of the Fort Ontario without physically being there. Um, so, yeah, well, I was more of a product designer and lead UX researcher on that. And Wonderful, so. man. Uh, well, that's a lot of experience. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just got started. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to make that much experience. But, uh, you know, for the ones that don't know, um, and also for myself, because I'm not very familiar with it, uh, what is human-computer interaction exactly? So every day we interact with devices, right? Computers, tablets, I mean, literally anything. And that field, uh, you know, there's a lot of different branches and disciplines within HCI. Uh, it could be anywhere from programming to, uh, you know, going into UX research, that user experience, uh, virtual reality. Um, so I would say that, you know, really how us humans interact with devices and studying that uh, processes and, you know, how can we make that processes better? Because in our program, we focus really heavily on the methods and research. SUNY Oswego, awesome. Damien Schofield, I love you. You're awesome. He was my department chair of HCI. He's a great guy, um, great program. Uh, so, and we really focused heavily, like I said, on the methods, uh, hands-on research. Um, but yeah, HCI is a great field. Uh, it's If you're into UX, HCI, I'm telling you, or human factors. Uh, I know people that go into human factor psychology, and you get kind of both best of both worlds with that as well. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. And um, also, um, you said that you mentioned that you study also uh, psychology. Um, yeah. What it, uh, cognitive psychology. Yeah. What, so what is the difference? Yeah, so uh, my undergrad degree, I did a lot of classes on cog uh, cognition, perception, uh, neuroscience. I was really big into biopsychology. Um, now, you ask what's the difference? Now, there's kind of a tie here. You know, psychology really leads into the concept of the human mind and how we interact with devices. Um, so if you can understand human emotion and all the things that go in intertwined, you know, understand the brain and, like, you know, our thoughts and emotions and how we can, you know, have that impact with devices and going through research and design practices. I think it all is a process. So I wouldn't say, necessarily say it's different. I mean, it is, but everything's kind of attached. Um, but yeah, psychology, like I said, study human behavior, human mind, yada, yada, yada. But that's really, really good concept to grasp when you're going into HCI. Uh, it seems like a perfect combination, um, cognitive yeah. psychology and human computer interaction. And that makes you, that, make, that must make you like really good at your job. <laughs> I'm doing the best that I can. I mean, there's always things to learn and you're going to make mistakes and being able to pick yourself back up after those mistakes is what's important. I'll be honest. No one's perfect. I made tons of mistakes. I always ask questions. You know, uh, a lot of people that I've been mentoring, they say, is it okay to ask questions? Like some are afraid, like you know, afraid of making mistakes. And they're like, oh, I got my first role. I'm going to make all these mistakes. And I'm like, it happens. We are human. We make mistakes. Like, you know, you just have to be confident and understand your methods. I love your thinking, man. Uh, thanks a lot for sharing that. That's a that's a gem. Uh, did you know? Did you know like UX design or or have you had you heard of product design while you were studying? Yeah. So my master's degree, you know, one of the things I kind of lacked, I'll be honest. So in my master's degree, I wasn't doing a lot of designing. Um, I was really focusing on research. Um, I did a couple things, you know, working with like Adobe XD, um, mm -hmm. but 
like I said, you know, doing a lot of quant work in those VR studies and those publications, a lot of statistics, you know, a lot of writing publications, a lot of editing and redoing design was kind of there. And I was like, when I graduated, I'm like, huh, should have done that a little more. I should take it for art classes. Um, but obviously, um, when I worked at the fort, you know, I worked there while I was doing, it was like an internship. Then I also worked there, um, you know, as a freelance worker for like a few months before um, COVID and everything. Uh, I kind of realized, you know, that was the first hands-on experience I've had in product design. So I was able to com- kind of combine that AR, creating an AR interface experience with my UX research. So I kind of leaned in and then obviously I started going and taking classes at the UX Design Institute. And that really has opened the doors up for me in understanding interaction principles um, and how to really combine that, uh, the efficiency of UX research into UX design. Actually, uh, you brought a very interesting point there because I also went to the UX Design Institute. And for the ones who don't know, uh, the UX Design Institute is um, is an online institute where they teach you, where they release um, university diploma uh, in UX design of uh, six months, I believe. Um, you know, like, so you already knew a lot about human interaction design. And when once you went to the UX Design Institute, did you learn, like, um, did you learn things that you already knew, know? Like, uh, what, what, what was, like, your knowledge was amplified or you were already like, mm, I kind of knew this, but maybe now I know how to strategize better. Um, how, did you, how did you feel about doing the curse? Yeah, so um, it was more of an amplification. But then when I got into actually doing uh, more of the sketching and the mock-ups and doing more user flow work and looking at information architecture, that's where I was like, wow, this is like the perfect combination. And honestly, there's people that don't even have an HDI degree and that just do that degree. And I'm seeing massive success, you know, and uh, yeah, Coleman Walsh, I think he's the CEO. I mean, does a great job with this, you know, and it's, it's amazing what you can do with the UX Design Institute. Um, I'm hopefully finishing in August, but like since I started working, now I understand why it takes people huh. sometimes 10 to 12 months to finish. <laughs> like, I'm going to get this done in three months. Let's go. And then all of a yeah. sudden I start working and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, do that, you know, so prioritization, but it was more of an amplification of what I learned. Um, research principles are really important. And of course they have you do usability tests, you know, and the, right in the beginning, get go of uh, the UX design Institute, get your hands dirty and talking to users and running different testing. And I think that's important, uh, being confident in that method, writing a script and just, that's really, really elegant work. So. Did you did you notice um did you notice changes in the user research um from from the um your psychology uh degree and the uh, UX design institute was there a difference? Um so psychology or the HCI which one? Uh HDI probably yeah. Okay, so Which which one did you do research for? Well, I did research in both, but mm. looking at psychology you got different types of, you know, you got observational, you got experimental psych, you got stuff that's not really focused on you know, it's more case study work and, uh, you know, looking at stuff like that, clinical work. And then you go into mm. CI, it's more like methods in research, but also applying it to interfaces. Um, I think that a lot of stuff that I did in my master's degree was fairly similar to what I did at the UX Design Institute. Um, but I can't, I'm, like I said, I'm not saying that's going to be for every, every school. You know, mm-hmm. one college could teach it one way and then they're like, I go in the UX Design Institute and they're like, oh my God, this is great. I learned something new. So I mean, I came in pretty fresh with the research ideas, and um... uh, that's uh, you know I was um, I was really curious about that because um, I took the diploma myself, and I wanted to know the the, the difference, right, uh, with uh, 
you know, with your experience that you have, uh, obviously, a lot of degrees, uh, which I don't. So, like, I was so curious about it. Um, yeah, yeah, like, I was curious about also your um, experience as um, a psychology assistant. You said that for some, you, you mentioned, I also saw from your profile that you worked a few years as a psychology assistant. What, yeah, what did you so, do exactly? <laughs> so, I actually, it's funny. I worked as an undergrad assistant, and then I also worked... Uh, as a graduate assistant, so and on two different no, I had two different roles as an undergrad, and then one as a as a master's student. So um, when I was an undergrad, I did uh, pretty much research assistant work with Gillian Pembergen. She's awesome, and I was researching stuff with human behavior, uh, statistical stuff, writing up reports, you know, the basic research methods. Um, and then when I got kind of close to the end of my bachelor's degree. Um, I decided to work with Shalari Olderum, who is no longer in Oswego. I think he's at uh, Boston, Boston Northeastern University. I don't know. Um, mm. But we did a lot of work. He's, he was on both my VR publications. And there I worked in virtual reality. I actually got to use like uh, the Oculus Rift, HC Vive. I got to mess with the HoloLens. And I managed the lab area for the VR headsets. So, and I was doing testing. And I was looking at mindfulness in VR too, which was incredible. Um, that got that exposure. Like I said, as an undergrad, I worked there, I think it was 2017, 2018, when I graduated in May. And then I was like, okay, let's go HCI. And then I got in and obviously I was a graduate student and then I, you know, worked that, but then eventually I worked as a graduate assistant, did publication work and yeah, helped, Mm -hmm. helped out Damien Schofield. So that's great. great. Uh, Actually, you mentioned VR, like what were you doing as a VR assistant? And then I'm going to ask you more questions about VR because that's, that's like a hot topic for me. Yeah. So as a, as a graduate, like an undergraduate assistant, I'd say, I mean, most of the VR work I did, I could say, um, was done when I did my publications. Uh, you know, as an undergraduate assistant, I was more keeping track of the lab. I did help my teacher run some studies on mindfulness. Um, he had me like understand each of the headsets. Some of them have different uh, refresh rates, different frequencies, uh, different display rates display rates and everything like all these headsets vary you know and the hololens is different we had a hololens there microsoft so i got firsthand experience with that um but my my job was to just you know keep the lab good nice and clean and then obviously understand the headsets and then when people come in to the program i kind of i'm able to explain he walks in and goes hey theo can you please explain to you xyz blah 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 joe schmo about you know the the program hci because i was i was going to go in it was like you know, before May at graduation, he had me like introduce students to the HCI program, which was really mm. cool. I just got recently accepted and it's amazing. So that's kind of what I did. Yeah. Amazing, man. Like, like for the ones who don't know, um, some people know what VR is, some people don't. What is VR and like, what's, what's a good uh, user experience in VR? Good user experience in virtual reality. Um, I'd say that, you know, being fully immersed in the game and feeling like you're part of that game itself and you know, being in touch with the game real time. Uh, there's different measurements in VR, uh, you know, presence, immersion, uh, you know, playability, uh, aesthetics, you know, that goes on with the guest scale that I use for my publications. Uh, mm-hmm. That entails a really good experience in virtual reality. Now you can make a game for VR and you could put your headset on and be like, oh God, this is, uh, no. I mean, <laughs> if you make a good game and a good virtual experience, you're going to be in the game and you time will fly. You'll be like, holy crap, I didn't know how long it took. Wow. You get so immersed in the game that you just, you feel like you're there and present in the environment. It's, there's some great games out there in VR and it's incredible what they're doing, especially uh, Oculus. So. 
if uh, um, you know, I don't know anything about VR also because I um, I've never played it myself. Um, is there any games that you you have tried that you would uh, you would suggest to people that want to try VR? So anybody who likes a good workout and wants to play Beat Saber, <laughs> I would highly recommend Beat Saber. It is awesome. Um, I go to town on that. Um, I do play uh, the new game Half Life Alex. I'm telling you guys, if you like virtual reality, if you like the Half Life series, classic, classic, uh, one of the best games ever made of PC gaming. Um, the Half Life Alex game really gives you full amount of immersion stuff like that. Um, I also play this uh, boxing game. I forgot what it's called. Uh, Skyrim VR, Fallout VR. I played both of those. They're pretty good. Um, you know, cool. I know I know that you can apply... I've heard this. Uh, it could be a myth uh, that you can apply like VR to anything, but then, of course, there is like some games made, made just for that. Um, well, I know people that use their VR headsets to like watch things, but it's not like a... Like, you can use it maybe, I, I'm not sure, I think YouTube has a feature where you can, like, watch stuff in VR. I don't know if that's, I haven't really messed with that, but no, I, I think so. I'm not going to give out bullcrap information, mm. too. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, so I don't really know. Um, I do know you can, like, use your VR headset as, like, a like a showroom feature. Mm. There's, like, you know, people have all these uh, community plugins and people can mess with mm-hmm. the VR mm-hmm. stuff, but. You, um, you mentioned you, you have some headset with, head, um, how do you call that? Sorry, the glass. Um. The glass set. How do you call it? I actually, VR? I actually have the Oculus Rift. The Oculus, there. yes, that's the name. I couldn't, I yeah. didn't, I didn't know it. I can actually take it out of the box. Really, I can just grab it. You want me to show it to you? That would be wonderful. Do, 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 Thank do. you. We'll start off. All right. So, this is the same headset I use for a lot of my testing, and I had one study that I did brainwave measurements. I can get into that later too. But uh-huh. so this. Is the accurate. Uh, for for the listeners, if you're listening to these on uh, um, Spotify right now, then you might want to go on YouTube and watch to the um, to the um, episode on YouTube so that you can see uh, Teod um, uh, VR. How do you call it? <laughs> VR. It's Oculus. Oculus. Oculus yes. Yes. So please go ahead. Obvi- yeah, obviously with the Oculus Rift, um, you know there is the HTC Vive as well. So I mean, they're two different companies, two different headsets. They each have the perks. And there's personal preference for each, but obviously now they have more headsets. Valve has a headset, the index, but this one I'm just going to show it to you. So a lot of cords, and that's one thing. A lot of the newer headsets certainly go wireless. I'll get into that in a little bit. Hmm. So, well, it seems hard to work out with that. Um, you can actually <laughs> give yourself. <laughs> yeah. So inside, obviously, you have the. Uh, that's that's really big. Like, wow. Yeah, and then I'll just. And I, I, I could wear it with glasses, but I prefer not to. I mean, because oh, of course. my vision. So we just put it on really quick. I mean, obviously, I'm not hooked into any VR. Um, so if, you, if you use uh, lenses, uh, can, you, can you see properly in the VR? Uh, there's an adjuster, a slider, so I'll get into that in a second. So, ah. so it's on. Let's just say I'm playing a game. So usually in the game, there's a, there's a, when you're playing in VR, there's a little button. There's a slider here. And this will actually adjust the... Uh, Binocular dispensary, uh, the disparity. I forgot what the heck it's called, but there's like like this, you know, your eyes. So like for different types of vision. Um, and obviously there's headphones here so you can hear. Um, I do know, I think the HTC Vive does not have that. Uh, I think the Vive Pro does, but, hmm. you know, so. That's really cool. So yeah. what, what part exactly did you, did you work on um, for the virtu- virtual reality? I have more to show you really quick. Oh, okay. 
This is the this is one of the controllers. Wow. So very ergonomic. I like the Oculus Rift's uh, you know controller mechanism. And then obviously there's two sensors. Uh, you put these in the room, and you have to set it up manually. Um, but this is nice. Uh, and make sure you have a good computer because if you don't, it's not gonna love you. Ah. So yeah. Um, what was your question? Uh, like which which part um, did you actually research? Like what what part did you work on for the virtual reality? Um... <laughs> well, just like what did I like examine and what? Was, yeah, like, what, what did you about? examine? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, I've done three different VR studies. One is actually we're gonna we, we want to get it published. Uh, it's still pending because of COVID. We had to stop it. But my very first VR study that I did was examining the effects of virtual reality gaming with different uh, conditions, desktop condition versus VR condition. So the overall user experience will the user have a higher sense of gaming overall satisfaction? You know, playing in a desktop game, or are they playing in VR? And obviously, you have the controllers to shoot. Um, and then we use the game called Serious Sam. Anybody who knows Serious Sam, it's a lot of shooting, lots of killing aliens, mm. lots of fun. Um, so that, that was my first study, uh, just examining the overall effects of game user experience using the, the game user experience satisfaction scale. Um, really cool scale. Uh, a lot of people don't know about it. And then when I tell them about it, they're like, oh, okay, it makes sense. Nine different mm. uh, measurements of playability, aesthetics, uh, you know, gamer freedom gamification you know mm -hmm. uh, presence immersion um, and my second study was on uh you know gaming controller and, and it's called perceived controller naturalness so the impact of virtual reality gaming on controllers so pretty much you know does the player have a more sense of you know naturalness in playing obviously you you're playing a vr game we play we use a first person shooter game then we use a top-down strategy game we played defense grid and we used war robots vr and we wanted to see, does the user have, uh, feel more natural? And you're thinking, how the heck can we measure something like that? So uh, using the guest scale again, obviously there was some confounds, like I wish we would have done, use other scales just to look at different things. Um, but that was just testing, you know, the ergonomics of the controllers and the effectiveness of, um, you know, the controllers and the user's experience. And then the third study, which is incredible, which I cannot wait, I hope it gets published. So we use something called, I don't have it with me because it was at the college, we use something called the Mind Band, Mind Play VR. So it was, let's say you have the Oculus Rift, right? Hmm. And you put this strip right here, you put it on and it measures your brain waves. We had a live brainwave EEG frequency measurement while they were playing Damn. different VR games. Yeah, so for that study, we wanted to investigate, you know, the differences in EEG ratings in virtual reality gaming uh, to see if, you know, and also desktop condition versus, uh, you know, VR condition. Uh, and it was interesting. You know, we got probably three or four significances. It's on my portfolio. Um, that study is actually on there. So if, if anybody in this podcast wants to know more about that study or is like, well, that's interesting. You know, I don't know if you have my portfolio, but I can, I can share it. Um, yeah, uh, Teo's uh, portfolio is amazing. Um, I'm going to put a link in the description for YouTube and also Spotify. So please go check it out. Uh, uh, really, it's it's wonderful. Uh, you love it. Um, first time I went on his site, I just I couldn't leave it. That's all. <laughs> yeah, you'll see the. I mean, in my portfolio, uh, you know, it'll say like IEEE. You know, like I presented both the VR studies at the IEEE, which is International Entertainment Media Arts and Games, and uh, you know, fantastic experience, and it was amazing. You know, being able to sit down 
at Yale. I presented my second publication at Yale and I sat down with all these different students, MIT students, and then people from like Microsoft. And we just talked about VR and ergonomics and like accessibility. And I'm like, this is cool. amazing. So there's a great community out there for VR. Uh, so that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Is it like, yeah. is it like UX design? Uh, what, what is it? Like, is it, is the community of VR like as big as uh, uh, the UX design one or like maybe smaller? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I guess that's like all biased. Cause I mean, really we're like, if I'm in that environment, maybe someone else doesn't know much about it. I can't really answer that. Um, mm -hmm. VR is still, people are still trying to find use cases for it. And how can we really, really enhance the use of VR technology for, you know, commercial platform devices, for merchandising, for retail experiences. I knew, you know, some places now they have VR displays at the mall. They want people to experience stuff, you know, like uh, New York, right? So we have Destiny USA Mall, which is like the second biggest mall in the United States. It's in Syracuse, New York, which is about 35 minutes away. They have this thing that talks about New York State. You put the headset on, it's a VR experience. You just, wow. so it's like right there, boom, branding, use of VR for enhancing, you know, that love of New York State. Um, So, and I know, like I said, augmented reality, they're using that a lot. And obviously people play games like Pokemon Go and, you know, the, the new Harry Potter game. So, I mean, yeah. AR is pretty cool too, so. Although, I, there, there is VR for Pokemon Go? No, AR. Oh, AR. Oh my God, I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> that, that'd be amazing. I'd that'd be so addictive. That. Damn. Oh my. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'd be stuck in their VR and they'd be like, You're like, son, get off that. No, I'm in here. I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah, I feel oh, that, that would be so dangerous because, like, you go, you go around the city, you know, like, with a pair of glasses, it's just, like, car will hit you for sure. <laughs> so it's not what you you know, it's, what's crazy, I think the newest... Uh, Let's not give aug bad ideas. <laughs> I think the newest uh, augmented reality glasses, uh, you know, for the HoloLens, the newest version they have for Microsoft, I was looking at some of the prototype releases, and I'm like, oh, my God, they look like normal glasses. And it's like, what? Like, like, you know, uh, you know, Iron Man, you know, freaking like in the movies, you know, he would like put the things on and be like, oh, you know, yeah, so cool. all the, yeah, so it's amazing. That's really cool, man. Nice. And, um, I, you know, I had a couple of questions. Um, sure. you know, usually I know that right now you're also working like for, for, you're not working in VR anymore right now. You're working for, um, other companies. Yeah, uh, like at the beginning of a project, uh, what kind of research do you usually conduct? Well, it depends on the project. Hmm. So obviously, if you're doing something for, uh, you know, uh, well, it depends. So, so for VR, the research I would do is look at other studies that, you know, have done research in VR uh, and understand, you know, if you're looking at a certain game, making sure you recruit the right users, stuff like that. So the user research and understanding the person you want to target for these studies really important because otherwise your data is going to be funky. Um, I think that's what I would start with VR and then obviously other products. So Flexor, right? Um, we work with VegasSlots.com. They're one of the biggest uh, online casino websites in the world. And, you know, our goal is to look at for user research is, you know, uh, understanding the personas and, you know, understanding our users and such that we can move, make design decisions going forward. And the only way to do that is to do a lot of qualitative research. So right now I'm doing user interviews. Um, that's just part of the research process. I think that's important. And then doing like a thematic analysis, affinity diagramming. Um, and yeah, I can keep going. There's, there's different disciplines that I'm just kind of spitting them out here and just winging it. But um, uh, it really depends on what you're investigating. And then the user research goes from there. So 
Uh, I, I like that you 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 gave a few key points right there that a lot of listeners can can get some uh, good advantage from it. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, actually, I wanted to ask you about the uh, portfolios too because I know that uh, you are you're a master in that craft, and uh, you were also giving some free <laughs> advices on LinkedIn uh, some time ago for portfolios, right? Yep, I'm still doing that. Um, you know, I think I'm opening up Wednesdays, so I have to. I think next week I'll open up another. Uh, Calendly, a Calendly thing, but I think it's full right now. I'm really, I was astounded. Like, wow, how many people signed up? And I was really excited. And obviously, you were one of them. Thank you. Like, just yeah. to talk to me on this podcast. I was like, no, please. Uh, yeah, yeah super cool. Man. Yeah, so if you want uh, your portfolio checked by some expert, uh, Teo is the man. So definitely get in touch with him. Uh, at the end of the podcast, I will give you uh, his contact details. He will give you his contact details. Um, you know, if you had, like, a few advices for uh, people that want to they want to make a good portfolio. What would it be? Showcase your methods. Keep it interesting. Uh, you know, be upfront about who you are. You know, um, I've seen some portfolios where they really don't like they put their name and then it's just like UX. I'm like, okay, so you use a researcher? Are you a UX designer? Are you an aspiring researcher? Um, so uh, I honestly think that keeping things interesting and uh, being detailed in your method, uh, methodologies and your practices of research and being able to show what you learned. I learned takeaways from this research process, X, Y, Z. I use this research method because X, Y, Z over this one because X, Y, Z. I'm telling you, companies love that. I mean, I, I, being able to explain your research methods, but also being like kind of finite and understanding those is really, really important. Um, you know, organization, really be organized, uh, keep a flow going, you know, just like looking at, you know, UX design, user flow, make it simple, you know, or dot norm and keep it simple, stupid. I think that was the saying, <laughs> um, but you know, also like, you know, maybe having a navigation at the top of the screen on mine, you could probably see, I have, <laughs> I had to put that in there. You know, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, yeah, having navigation, stuff like that, um, and also catchy titles. Uh, recently, I think it was a couple months ago, I changed my titles, and all of a sudden, I had my account linked to analytics, so I could see the count rates people come in. I'm like, oh, wow, no more bounce rates, less bounce rates, because titles are interesting. Like, how, like for instance, one of my studies was using a G Suite analytics. We created a G Suite dashboard, and he goes, Maybe like creating a G Suite analytics dashboard using the agile UX process. Wow, that's cool. If you use the agile process to create a dashboard, let's read it. And then obviously I have navigation and talk about the KPI metrics we use and so forth. The team I worked with, what my role was, what I did, what I learned, et cetera. And that way, when you have like the recruiter can look through and be like, geez, okay, I don't have to ask them any questions. And everything's right here. Bam, shoot it to the employer. Like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. You know, and I, it's, it's cool, you know, and seeing the change, you know, and uh, hopefully I can, hopefully this advice helps people. And there's a lot of other things I could offer, but I think really understanding your methodologies, um, you know, when to use quant, when to use qual, you know, and that's the thing. There's tons of different ways of going about research, but really being able to explain to someone why you use that method. And that took me, I'll be honest, it took me a while. I was... A little uh, not fresh, you know, so I had to learn myself and it takes time. And that's the only way you're going to get better is falling down and getting back up. None of this perfectionist crap. You got to fail and you got to, like, it'll happen. It will happen. 
I've just, there's people I've had to tell like undergrads I've been mentoring, they're afraid they're going to make mistakes. I'm like, it's okay to be, have mess up. The only way you're going to learn is from that mistake, but don't purposely mess up. I'm just saying like, <laughs> if you mess up, you know, it's like, yeah, wow. Cause then you'll know like, okay, that's why it works. And then asking questions. But I like it. And also like about the, the perfect perfectionist thing that you were saying, you know, sometimes we tend to be uh, perfectionist because we don't actually want to work hard. We, to, we don't want to take that uh, dirt off our shoulder just because we want to be perfectionist, right? So definitely, I, I really agree on that. Like, work hard, fail, and get back up and learn from it. Um, and also show your portfolio that you learned actually from making that mistake. Sometimes I think companies uh, like to see that you failed at something, but then you're like, now you're much better because of that. Yeah, and, and honestly, even through my UX practices, so I made mistakes. For instance, when I was doing the augmented reality project, I spent a whole month and a half you doing the wrong type of design. I was trying to do something that was like impossible. So I wasted a month of designing and I realized, wow, I mean, I made a mistake, but then I was able to, I met with the stakeholder, uh, the site manager, and we came up with another plan and it's that simple. Be open about it, you know, just be willing to try something new and if it doesn't work, move on. You know, well, it happens. Damn, man. So. I love that. I love that. Uh, wonderful, Teo. Um, if people want to do, get in touch with you, uh, where can they contact you? Yeah, so uh, my email. Uh, you can email me. Uh, shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, obviously, through my portfolio, I do have a contact uh, link down there, like a little form. So if you have any questions about my portfolio, you get on there. You can contact me that way, too uxfold.io that's what i use super cool ux uh, platform for portfolios um Absolutely. but yeah i'd say email you know or like i said eventually you can schedule a call or calendly absolutely and thank you for that uh thank you so much for coming to this episode episode that i was like uh, really really excited to have you and a lot of people are gonna benefit from uh, what you said today uh you are such a an enthusiastic person and uh, i was i'm honored to have you on this podcast today Thank you, Alessio. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you, man.